Good morning, Emmanuel. We are here at the lakefront, your favorite spot in the city. Uh, this is totally legal. It's on the campus of Loyola, so don't go calling Aunt Lori on me. Um, we're going to be looking at our gospel text from the lakefront today because this is the setting uh, where Jesus revealed himself to his disciples. Verse 1 of John 21 says, After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. The Sea of Tiberias is another name for the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake. And it was their favorite lake. It had a lot of memories. They spent a lot of time with Jesus there, a lot of time before they met Jesus there. Just sort of a lifetime, a collection of moments. And so it's very significant that Jesus chooses the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, to reveal himself to his disciples. And they're, they're not in a good spot. Um, they're not in a, a terrible spot, but they need to be encouraged. And so he chooses a sunrise, and he chooses some other elements to encourage their spirits. We're going to look at that together. The first thing that we see the disciples do is they choose uh, to go back to their old life. They choose to do something that is familiar to them. Uh, maybe it's because they're hungry. Uh, maybe it's because they're bored. Look at verse 2 with me. Uh, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Now Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. So here we have Simon Peter going, you know what, um, it's just, I need something to do. Um, maybe he's bored. I think a lot of the disciples are just sort of like stuck. They didn't exactly know what was next. Like, they were with Jesus three years. Then he was crucified, and, and it was horrible, and they should have seen it coming, but they didn't. Traumatizing. Then he was raised from the dead, and it's like, it's not the same. It's strange. It's great. But they're still internalizing, like, what the resurrection means. And so I think some of it is just going fishing because it's like, it's the old way. It's like what you know. And... So they all go out together. They fish at night, which is the best time to fish uh, in the Sea of Galilee. And the second half of verse 3 says, But that night they caught nothing. And so this just would have been sort of a miserable night for them. Up all night, you know, just the heavy labor of trying hard, like doubling your efforts with, with none of the result. Heaving the, the, the nets over the boat and bring them back in and probably some of them had to like dive in the water and swim and like adjust the net and see if there's any fish and then get back in the boat and dry off and someone else has to do it and just hours of that. And I would imagine that given the place where they're at in the story that they're probably ruminating on some, some memories as well. Probably some good memories, things they miss. You know, the memories of when they fed the 5,000 people with the, the loaves and the fishes, and it was just this miracle. Uh, people's eyes are lighting up as they're hearing Jesus speak about the kingdom of God, and, and they're being fed, and there's this promise of new life. Seeing Jesus, uh, you know, proceed into Jerusalem where he's on a donkey, and he's going to be the king, and uh, or what about the first night they couldn't catch anything, and Jesus provides a miraculous catch for them. And, and then Peter feels unworthy and Jesus says, follow me. And 
it's like a, a whole new, brand new beginning for him. You know, like missing some of those memories, just as you're casting the nets, just missing Jesus, missing how it used to be. I imagine too that there was some just bad memories gnawing away at the disciples all night long as they're fishing and catching nothing. Just the regrets of denying Jesus in the moment when it mattered and all the, all the ways that they like let him down, all the ways that they wish it were different. Anyway, they didn't catch anything. They were um, probably hungry, probably discouraged. And then verse 4 says, um, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So it's like the day breaks enough so that you can see whatever silhouette is on the shore, and disciples are like, who's that random dude like looking at us? I don't know, just don't say anything. And then he's like, hey children, did you catch anything? And he's like, hey, you know, hey buds, you know, did you, didn't you catch anything for breakfast yet? And they just respond to him, no. You know, maybe they were suspicious or maybe they're just tired and didn't feel like having a conversation, but they're just like, no. And then he says in verse five, Jesus said to, uh, see, no, sorry, verse six, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it because why not? You know, they've been fishing all night. He tells them to do something. They don't know who it is. So they're just like, all right, what the heck? And they just take their nets and throw them over their heads and it maybe glistens orange in the, in the sunrise and plops down on the water and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just like absolutely out of nowhere full with fish. And they're just squealing with delight. And I just wish that in that moment I could have seen the twinkle in Jesus' eyes. He's like, yeah, you might catch some over there knowing that there's like a massive school of fish and it's going to like absolutely fill their nets. And just listening to their, to their, you know, squeals and their delight and their joy, um, knowing that he just made their morning. So, of course, now here we have this moment where in the, in the drama of the moment, with all the noise and all the fish and everything's flopping around, that John can like take a step back and go, what's God doing right now in this moment? And he realizes, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. And he says, it's the Lord. So John's like the spiritually perceptive one, but then Peter's more of the impulse control one. And so Peter like, uh, well, it says uh, that, um, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, second half of verse 7, he, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Which sounds like he's putting his clothes on and going swimming, but it's more like he's getting decently dressed, he's tying it up probably in a knot, and he's swimming about 100 yards, which is about um, twice the length of an Olympic-sized pool, or like end zone to end zone on a football field. Would have taken him maybe a couple minutes to swim from wherever he was at, out by the boat to get to Jesus. And the disciples, the rest of them have to like care for the fish. And they're like, they're like paddling or whatever behind him. And they, and they all get to the shore and they sort of like drag themselves onto shore after working all night, probably pretty tired. And what do they see? What has Jesus like set for them? The, uh, verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. 
they find breakfast. They find that Jesus has laid out for them fresh bread, some nice sizzling fish over a nice charcoal fire. I mean, it was just like this, just like this sort of spread of grace for them, this kindness. And I don't know about you, but one of my favorite experiences of life is when uh, I've been sleeping, maybe sleeping in, and I just like wake up to the smell of breakfast. Like you just sort of like come out of your dreams and there's coffee brewing and there's bacon sizzling and I can smell cinnamon rolls in the oven. It's like, yes, this is going to be a good day. You know, someone's been up, they've been thinking about me and other people in the house too. And they've been so kindly like preparing breakfast. They've been serving me like way in advance of me even asking them for that. And it's like, you know, when his disciples are, are like kind of stuck and confused and going back to their old ways, Jesus doesn't bring another guilt trip. You know, he doesn't bring shame like, How did, how's it working out for you? Didn't I tell you that apart from me you could do nothing? Kind of like putting him down. He doesn't come with guilt trips. He comes with breakfast. And that just shows us the kindness of our Lord, the, the heart of our Lord to serve and love his people. That's his heart for you. He has, a, he has a kind disposition to you. Maybe you're feeling stuck, confused, uh, a little discouraged, a little bit like you've got memories of your own. Maybe you've had a night like the disciples had, you know, where you've been tossing and turning and you've got regrets and you've got old memories. Or maybe you've had a situation where you just tried something that you used to love and it's just not working out anymore or it's not doing it for you anymore like all the magic and the luster is gone Jesus doesn't bring like condemnation against you he brings breakfast he brings service he wants to encourage you that's not the only thing that Jesus brings Jesus also he doesn't want to just you know feed their bodies and uh, he also wants to like feed their hearts and get them moving in fulfilling the destiny that he's always had for them. And so we read that um, Jesus uh, said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. This is verse 10. So they're about to have breakfast and Jesus says, all right, bring that catch over. It's just a beautiful moment. Um, verse 11, so Simon Peter went, ab went uh, aboard. So he goes back to the boat, which is like basically on shore. And he hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. So Simon Peter, big burly guy, goes over to the boat, hoists the fish, um, like drags the whole thing. There's too many fish for the net, and yet the net doesn't break. And so we see a glimpse of Peter's past, like Peter the fisherman, strong guy, you know, really capable. But we also see a picture of Peter's future, which is Peter the evangelist on the day of Pentecost, like hauling massive amounts of newly caught fish. He's now a fisher of men and he's bringing the catch to the feet of Jesus. Jesus is just a master at moments like this, at transitions where um, he's kind of like, taking little bits, little artifacts from, from our life, and he's arranging them in such a way to heal our memories and give us hope 
for the future. Jesus takes little things like the Sea of Galilee and fish and nets and boats and an all-night working session where you don't make any progress and charcoal fire and breakfast. And he's like weaving all these things together and he's creating a moment for his disciples where they can walk through their past into their future, from their old ways into his new day. And it's an encouraging transition. It's meant to heal them. It's meant to put them together and it's meant to call them into an adventure that is much larger than the life they knew before. And he wants to do that to us as well. He wants to give us an encouragement. He wants to give us a transition. I wonder what pieces from your past, from your life, the Lord would put together to encourage you and, and give you hope for his new day, for his new future. Um, when we're with Jesus, it's, uh, it's a really beautiful moment because uh, the disciples, when they come to have breakfast, have this mixture of reverence and friendship. There's this familiarity and this reverence that, that go together. And I think it's a good picture of what uh, the church is when we're at prayer, um, when we're with Jesus and we're on his mission. Verse 12 says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. He kind of has to coax them a little bit, like, don't be afraid, come and have breakfast. And it says, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Um, Jesus came, verse 13, and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. So they dare not ask him his name. They know it's the Lord. It's different than when uh, they spent the three years with him. Um, so, but they dare not ask him his name. They have absolute reverence for him. Their reverence is like thick smoke. It's just like something about Jesus is so holy and so other that uh, they don't treat him like one of their buddies. They're really reverenced before him. On the other hand, um, they're having breakfast with him. You know, he's feeding them bread and fish um, and sitting in a circle probably. And this is the man they had spent three years with where they were distributing bread and fish and, and doing all kinds of things together. This is, this is he's God, yet he's, he's in the flesh. And, and they're just content to be with him and to dwell with him. And it's only after moments like these that they go out to the day of Pentecost and beyond and, and begin to fulfill their mission. Uh, our gospel text ends, this is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So it's like this big reveal. You know, it's the third reveal. It's the third resurrection appearance. And it's just kind of perfect. It's just this beautiful collection of, of artifacts. It's this great moment where they see Jesus as he is, as he wants them to see him. It's an encouraging moment. He's like encouraging, out of, encouraging them out of their old ways into his new day. I wonder if, if you would be, you know, hungry for a moment like this from the Lord. Maybe you've never walked with Jesus before, but you're, you're drawn to him in this season. And you're thinking about what it would mean to follow him. But there's probably part of you that's holding, you're holding back for some reason. This might be an opportunity for you to just open your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'd like for you to encourage me like you encouraged the disciples. Encourage me out of whatever funk I'm in. And 
and call me into your new day. Maybe you're slightly insulted by the whole idea that Jesus wants to catch you like fish. Don't be insulted. Um, he wants to, to bring you from whatever you're swimming in, whatever it is, confusion or, or doubt or despair or addiction, and, and like get you into his love and like bathe you and baptize you uh, in his community, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his, and his holy church. Ask him to encourage you. He will. He'll encourage you into his kingdom. He's not going to berate you or shame you into his kingdom. It might convict you, but that's only to heal you. You might be following Jesus right now, and you're just really bummed. The old, the old ways, the old way of walking with Jesus and his church are like inaccessible to you. And it's just sort of confusing, like, how do we get back to normal? And I'm not sure the Lord wants us to get back to normal as we knew it. We'll certainly have familiar elements to our faith in the future, but like right now, it's not a normal time. But nevertheless, Jesus is still the encouraging Lord. And he can still take everything that's hard and bring encouragement. I just encourage you to have breakfast with Jesus like the disciples did. Through his Holy Spirit, he's available to you. Open your heart, open your Bible, and just say, Lord, what are you calling me into in this day? What if you knew that the Lord was using everything in your past to prepare you for this moment, for this crisis, for this day in history? What if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what stage you are in life, that every regret, that every pain, that every good thing, good gift was being woven together and that this was a moment for you to walk into your calling. That is and can be true through the Lord Jesus. He, excuse me, he died for you. He rose from the dead for you. And he wants to include you in his kingdom. He has a calling for you. He has given you his Holy Spirit if you are walking with him. To people of Emmanuel Anglican, you know it's true. I miss you. We miss each other. We miss being at the Kiva. This is a moment for us to walk through as well. It's a new day in Jesus. And this new day is for us. I believe that the Lord has a great call on our church, like Peter, to be an evangelistic church, something that's going to be kind of new for us. Nevertheless, before the Lord fills our nets, he wants to fill our hearts. And I want to invite you to join me in just being with Jesus like the disciples were, taking in his glory, taking in his love, being encouraged. Ask him to encourage you for our church, give, to give you encouragement for our church. If we're going to be the spiritual beacon church that makes the gospel tangible and visible and personal to our friends and neighbors, we've got to see Jesus afresh. We've just got to see him again. We've got to bask in his glory. He's got to reveal himself to us with his encouragement, with his new day, with the rising sun, um, just like he revealed himself to his disciples. I want to invite you now to stand with me, to stand with me and face the east, face the rising sun in faith that there is going to be a day coming. We'll be on this lake together. People right now who don't know where they're at in faith will one day join us and be baptized here on Lake Michigan. And they'll face east as well. They'll face old Jerusalem and confess with us the faith that is so precious to us in the words of the Apostles' Creed.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.